ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Unapologetic Live. I'm your host, Omla Epinobi, and today we are having a... I don't know if I want to call it a fun episode. Is it really fun to talk about domestic abuse? I don't know. But we're going to talk about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard defamation trial that is happening at this very moment. Uh, Our most recent testimony is from Johnny Depp, who has taken the stand to talk about his relationship with Amber Heard, all of the turmoil, all of the good points, which I can imagine is a very difficult thing to have to go through to air out the not only your life and your upbringing which i imagine is very difficult to talk about for johnny depp but also your relationship and the personal intimate details of being with somebody who you married and then went through a divorce and all these things so we'll go through the timeline we're going to talk about the backlash that johnny depp received with the allegations that uh, amber heard made and compare that to some of the backlash we're not seeing for actors like Ezra Miller, who is known to assault women, even we have a video of that happening, and is now recently been arrested in Hawaii again, and not seeing anywhere near as much backlash for him as we did with Johnny Depp, plus the downfall of Netflix. Are we seeing the death of this platform? Netflix has lost 200,000 subscribers over the past few days, and is projected to lose 2 million more uh, by the month of June. So crazy stuff happening there. Elon Musk hopping into the discussion around... Uh, Netflix and what's happening. Plus, we'll go through some of the woke ideology and the woke marketing and products that Netflix has been putting out recently and ask whether or not it's really worthy of having our our subscription money. And we'll talk about that. Maybe I'll put down a poll below. Do you guys have Netflix? Are you subscribed any longer? Or is that something that you let go of at some point in the Netflix turmoil, which there are several points where Netflix has been in the hot seat for the things that they've put out and just the sort of woke engagement that they've had as a corporation. Now, let's talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I never thought that I'd be doing this and that this would be what the podcast is about, but it is, and here we are. So I feel like in order to get into this, we have to talk about the background. We have to lay the foundation and the timeline of this relationship, of the allegations, and of the pending court battles that are happening right now between actor Johnny Depp and actress Amber Heard. So I've got this article here from Independent. In So speculatively, I guess, is what people are saying. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard met on the movie set in of The Rum Diary in 2011. I feel like a gossip. So anyways, Johnny met Amber. <laughs> yeah, me and Taylor were talking earlier. We're like a Stefan from SNL Weekend Update. So... <laughs> Johnny Depp met Amber Heard on the on the set of The Rum Diary in 2011. So this is where their relationship was sparked, uh, either through friendship or, you know, going straight into the whole relationship stage. And they were very smitten with each other. Okay, so 2011 they meet. In 2014, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard get engaged. And we'll go through what Johnny Depp describes as this beautiful honeymoon phase of their relationship within the first few years of it. Uh, From 2014 to 2015, we see Johnny Depp and Amber Heard get married. Beautiful. We we love a good marriage. Uh, We're going to find out it maybe was not so good. In 2016, only a year later, Amber Heard files for divorce. And alongside this divorce comes a court-ordered restraining order against Johnny Depp due to allegations that Amber Heard made against him of domestic violence. Uh, Apparently, in a dispute... 
Amber Heard alleged that Johnny Depp threw a cell phone at her face, striking her, uh, creating damage, a bruise uh, underneath her eye and on her cheek. So that was the allegation made. And apparently at some point in 2016, were in that area of their marriage. A police call was made for a domestic dispute. When the police arrived, they saw no evidence of such abuse being committed against Amber Heard. No marks, uh, no testimony of that. Yet, we saw that in the court with the proceedings for the restraining order. So this is what Amber Heard alleges. The divorce goes off. Uh, I'm, assu- I'm going to say without a hitch, but I doubt without a hitch when it comes with these domestic abuse allegations. But I believe it was a $7 million divorce settlement. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Johnny Depp paid $7 million to Amber Heard after the divorce was settled. So divorce becomes official in 2017. And things go quiet for a while. You'd think, okay, the relationship's over. We've gotten divorced. There's nothing gonna, nothing's gonna happen after this point. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because uh, after this happens, after the divorce is settled in 2018, Amber Heard writes an op-ed for Washington Post. Washington Post. We're talking about them again. We talked about Washington Post yesterday for their journalist, we say in air quotes, Taylor Lorenz doxing the woman who runs Libs of TikTok. Now we're talking about this op-ed. So Amber Heard writes an op-ed for the Washington Post saying that she is a victim of domestic violence and coming forth and being open about that victimization actually hurt her career in some way, shape, or form. Several casting directors, I guess, reached out to her to discuss whether or not it was right for her to be a part of the movies that she was cast in because she came out as a victim of domestic abuse. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure whether or not that happened or why that would happen. That'd be a very strange thing. If I came out and said... Guys, I've been a victim of a crime that somebody committed against me, and here's an op-ed about it, and and here is the situation, and here's everything, and all the ways that I was victimized, and then suddenly I get a call from PragerU going, I don't know, after you were victimized by this crime, I don't know if we want to work with you anymore. Questionable. I don't know the details of that, so I am simply speculating. But this is what Amber Heard alleges in this op-ed. And after this comes out, of course, there is just an onslaught of hate directed towards Johnny Depp. She never explicitly mentions his name in the article, but it's quite clear when you read it that she's writing about Johnny Depp and this relationship that she had with him and the marriage that she had with him. So, of course, Johnny Depp isn't happy about this, but who else isn't happy about it? The general public and all the people who have uh, deals with Johnny Depp. We see Dior drop their sponsorship of Johnny Depp and their collaboration with Johnny Depp. We see him get ousted from all the franchise movies that he's in. Uh, the one being, what was what character was he playing in that Harry Potter uh, Grindelwald. series? Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Yeah, so that he was dropped from that franchise Pirates, as right? well. What? Pirates of the Caribbean. And Pirates of the Caribbean. So all the major franchise deals that he has, the Dior deal that he has, all dropped because of an allegation from Amber Heard and specifically this op-ed written about him. So, of course, what do you do in this situation? You've seen somebody who's uh, alleged something against you and you view that to be false. Johnny Depp sues Amber Heard. So he files a defamation case against Amber Heard for $50 million. I imagine that involves all the money he would have gotten from the movie deals he had, the Dior deal, plus I'm sure they could sue for, what, emotional distress in that case, and any future damage that they can speculate was caused by these allegations. So $50 million, they are now 
in court for and the lawsuit has started and started publicly which is an interesting thing i don't know much about the inner workings of court cases and whether as to whether or not they go public for people to view uh and I don't know if there was some sort of agreement that they said, you know, we can televise this for everyone to watch and see. I'd be interested to know what the deal is and how they decide whether or not this is going to happen. Because, of course, everyone's eyes are on this. And I can imagine it's a very difficult thing to sit in front of everybody, whether or not you're Amber Heard or Johnny Depp, and talk about your livelihoods, the relationship you had together, and the doom of that relationship and the downfall of that relationship. I imagine that's difficult. I wonder if there was some sort of agreement they came to that it would be televised, or this is just something that was pushed on them because of the status that they have within our society. So it seems through a lot of the testimony and a lot of the witnesses in this trial that Amber Heard was making false allegations about Johnny Depp. I'm not going to go as far as to say that all allegations she's made against him are false because all of this is alleged. I, I could not know. The only people who do truly know are Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Uh, we have seen some witnesses testify that there have been moments of direct aggression from both parties both johnny and amber directed at each other as far as violence there is very little evidence to show that and we are going to go through some of the videos that are coming out from this trial because they're they're being posted here now here's johnny depp testifying about the beginning of his relationship with amber heard in the beginning of my relationship with miss heard um there was from what I recall and what I remember, she was, she was, um, it was as if she were, it was, she was too good to be true. Um, she was attentive, she was loving, um, she was smart, she was kind, she was funny, she was understanding she um and, and we, we we had many things in common mm. it's very sad to see this although you know you have to be honest about a couple things both of the people involved in this case are actors always keep bear that in mind and very well accomplished actors so always bear that in mind when you're watching these videos and they make you emotional or anything like that uh but there is a sense of sincerity that you get here that where I make that deduction is that you're here for a defamation trial for somebody who probably you don't look too kindly at uh, anymore from all the things that have happened during this relationship. And to come up and say, well, no, there was a time where she was lovely and gorgeous and caring and I truly loved her in the beginning of our relationship was great is a kind and honest thing to admit and I think speaks to some underlying truth between their relationship. So weird talking about somebody else's relationship. But... It's an interesting thing. And it happens a lot with people that they start these relationships with another person and it's beautiful and great and wonderful. And he or she is everything that you've ever wanted and you have so much in common. In fact, everything that I love, they love. And we never fight. We never bicker. It's always great. And then all of a sudden things start to change or you get a little twinge or a hint of something and you go, Ooh, there's a little red flag, but I'm going to ignore it because look at all this other beautiful stuff and look at all this amazing stuff that they do. I'll ignore that little biting feeling in the back of my head because everything else is beautiful. And a lot of people will cover up who they are and mask who they are in the beginning of a relationship in order to 
protect that relationship, to keep that relationship there, to get something that they want and will only way further down the line. We're talking what he said about a year and a half into their relationship. Did she start to show who she truly was? Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying to have that happen to you. And it is a very it can be a very strategic manipulation in relationships to have somebody build that trust and that direct sense of love and often codependency on you. And then, boom, rug pull them with all this horrifying abuse and both emotional and physical abuse and have them just sort of be shocked, but still attached to that person that they thought you were. So it sounds like that is what happened here. Again, I am only speculating. Here are some other videos of coverage of this trial. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's doctor testified today in court and it's pretty damaging for Amber Heard's case. He was asked about and referenced text messages that Johnny Depp sent to him in which Johnny Depp told him that he was being verbally abused all the time and couldn't take it anymore. And he described how Amber Heard was venomous and degrading towards him. The doctor then was asked about Johnny Depp being physically abusive towards Amber Heard. And the doctor said that Amber Heard had never mentioned to him that Johnny Depp was abusive and if she had, then he would have noted it. He was then questioned about the infamous fight that Amber Heard and Johnny Depp had in which Johnny Depp's finger was cut by a bottle that was thrown at it. He had personally flown to Australia to treat Johnny Depp for the injury. And when asked if he had noticed any signs of physical violence against Amber Heard, he said no. So it seems that the testimony from both of their doctors seems to back the fact that Johnny Depp was not the abuser in the relationship. And as you can imagine, Amber Heard wasn't too happy about it. Follow for more. And this is this points out something interesting for me and Taylor, I'm definitely going to want your commentary on this of this dynamic between men and women where the woman is the abuser, which is not the dynamic that you typically hear about. And I can imagine it's very difficult for a man to deal with and secondly, admit because that's. That's a terrible thing. And it's something that you don't expect for the woman to be the abuser. Oh, my goodness. You always hear men being the ones who perpetrate abuse onto women because they're so much stronger and they, they, they carry more weight. They carry more power. You never expect the woman to be that. And I think Amber Heard obviously knew that. We've heard videos and you guys can go and look up these videos. I won't show them today of Amber Heard saying, you know, I did this to you and you can go and say that I abused you, but I'm a woman and you're a man. Who's going to believe you? Are they going to believe you? Or are they going to believe me? And abusing that. And I imagine that happens quite often and men just don't come forward about it. Yeah. Um, it would have to be. And it's true that, you know, in the in the Me Too era, the, the deck is kind of stacked against you as mm -hmm. a man that it's no longer, you know, if abuse occurs, then we should surface that and the abuser should be uh, the, the evidence should be borne out and the abuser should bear the consequences of that. Um, and but it's not about the truth anymore. It's mm -hmm. about these this uh faux reality that the that the, the mainstream narrative of patriarchy oppressive men and trying to like recorrect all these past wrongs and and uh it, it's not about what actual justice is that's based on truth it's about this new social justice feminism reality um rather than just the simple truth facts at, at hand so yeah as a i guess as a man the death the deck is stacked against you in these scenarios right and this i this angers me, this trial in particular, just because imagine being in the in the just thick of that as a man. And I know this has happened to so many men because of the Me Too movement of a woman coming out and making allegations against you that are not based in reality. And then you having to deal with the just 
sheer and utter weight of everyone and everything that comes down upon you because this one woman decided to come forth and do something that is truly malicious and vindictive. And he had to deal with it not just in his own personal life. It's not like a woman telling everybody in your town, oh, well, he hit me and, oh, my gosh, that's why I left him and that's why we're divorced. This is a woman doing this publicly for the world to see, an op-ed in Washington Post, doing interviews about it, talking about it, uh, and allowing the world to just be led by what is allegedly a lie that you've stated against this man. And that's such a horrific thing to do to somebody and to deal with and to be a man who has to just sit, you, as a man, you have to sit there and take it. There's nothing, there's virtually nothing you can do other than bring them to court. And even when this is brought to court, luckily Johnny Depp has the privilege of having a massive fan base and having a following to where the world's going to see it. But average men don't have that. So now you have a woman who's made allegations against you. They've spread all through your town, everywhere that you go. If you try to get a job, people know about this. And then let's say you take her to court and you sue her for defamation and you win that lawsuit. Who's going to know about it? Who's going to care? They're just going to know you as the guy who, you know, was accused by that girl. That's what you will always be. So I can't imagine what this is like for people who don't have the audience that Johnny Depp has. I want to show a couple more videos here. There is some amazing testimony from Amber Heard's assistant, which you guys can go and watch. I won't show it today, but she just goes off about how horrible Amber Heard was to not only her, to her sister, to her mother, to Johnny, how she had this just suffocating grip on everything that he was and everything that he did and this deep founded codependency, which I'm not here to just attack Amber Heard. A lot of people who are abusers in relationships have been through abuse themselves in some way, shape, or form. And that's how they have this sort of learned behavior from their own experiences or from some other deeper level. Maybe it's from your parents. Maybe it's from other relationships you've had. Maybe it's from friends and peers. Maybe you just did not have a clear depiction of what it means to love somebody and care for somebody. So I do have sympathy in a sense for people who do these things because you know, monsters and people who commit bad acts don't are not just born out of nothing. There's often reasons for the things that they do underlying, whether they are conscious of it or it's some sort of subconscious driver. So I'm not here to just roast her and spit on Amber Heard because there's a lot of people who are already doing that. Uh, but I am here to talk about the inner workings and things that you can see and notice in relationships that are signs of future abuse so that maybe you guys don't fall for it. Or maybe you're in a relationship where that's happening now and you have not recognized it until you've heard about this case and things that have happened. Here's a video of a seemingly sort of normal dynamic in a relationship where Johnny Depp is talking about just a little thing that he noticed with Amber Heard. He starts off this video by saying when he would come home from work, he would sit down on the couch and Amber Heard would take off his boots. Oh, what a sweet, nice, caring thing to do. But here's the follow-up to that video. That she did this kind of routine. And I remember one night I came home from work and, uh, and I think she was on the phone or something. And, or busy, she was doing something. And... Um, so I sat down on the couch and I took my boots off and um, suddenly Miss Red approached with this look on her face that she, she just said, what did you just do? What did you do? 
Taylor, what is your? I see your face. What is your initial reaction to this? Because I, ha- I might have a different just, one. Oh, very weird. Like this weird power dynamic of like, I'm gonna tell you how I'm going to serve you, but I'm gonna serve you in these ways. But mm-hmm. it's like if you don't submit to how I'm serving you and what I, how right. I want to do it, then it, we're gonna have problems. It's like this weird form of manipulation through faux servitude. Right. Because imagine being the person going through this relationship and then being like. Like trying to express to people how that's crazy, and they're like, "Dude, she, so she takes your boots off every night, and she gives you a glass of wine, and you're complaining right now." You're yeah, but like, if no. I take my own off, then I get in trouble. Right. And then she scowls at me, and then brings me a glass of wine. So I'd be like, "What's in this?" Right, right. <laughs> I I sat here just thinking about it. Like, okay, this I could see how somebody could be in a relationship like this and be like, "No, it's just because she loves me. She just wants to do things for me and that's what it is." But I'm like, what it what, what could be the underlying manipulative factors of this is that coming home and taking your shoes off is a pretty normal standard thing to do and to always have to rely on your spouse or your whoever you're in a relationship with to do that for you is a very strong sign of codependency. It seems to be a sign of codependency on Amber's part in this case because Johnny was perfectly fine with just taking his boots off on on his own. But it seems like she wants to build that sense of codependency. Like, you need me here to give you your glass of wine at the end of the night and to take your shoes off. And if I'm not here, that doesn't get done. And eventually, if you hone that in enough and it becomes a regimen and it becomes just socially conditioned, sort of like this Pavlovian response to getting home every night from work, you will become dependent on that person. And it sounds like in a lot of this that Amber Heard is very starved for love and affection and lashes out when she doesn't get it in exactly the way that she wants it, which is just a sad way to live, a very sad way to live. When I look at people like Amber Heard, and you hear about just the horrible manner that they treat people in and the way that they abuse other people. For the first um, emotion that you feel is just, oh, that's so upsetting, so disgusting, you're so frustrating. And secondary to that is just this deep pity that I feel for people like that because you know that if that person cannot grow and change and learn to accept things and accept themselves, they're never going to feel true love. They will never know what that feels like, and they'll be deprived of that for the rest of their lives. So as angry as you can be at somebody like that, and there's anger there, certainly, uh, I just feel bad for them at the end of the day. If you don't grow out of that behavior and out of that way of looking at the world and treating other people, you're going to be miserable. And it seems like she's miserable and just wants to make other people feel that way. And to go as far as to make a false accusation against somebody in order to bring them down... Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And you can see during these trials, if you go and watch the videos, there's so much more testimony that you can go and watch. Security guards backing this up, assistants backing this up, a therapist saying, you know, I saw Johnny and Amber in tandem and... I witnessed the levels of abuse and heard it from the firsthand perspective of what was going on there. One interesting piece of testimony is their therapist, their marriage counselor, saying during our therapy sessions, Amber would just 
steamroll Johnny in conversations. He would try to explain himself. She would express his feelings for him. She would not let him talk. She would interject in his conversations. And that she felt like Johnny had no sort of voice in their marriage, A, in their marriage, or in their therapy sessions whatsoever to be able to express the issues and the things that he was experiencing. And it's got to be just a horrible thing, especially to experience as a man. I can't imagine how weak you feel as an individual to have to go through that. And it makes you wonder. I saw all this stuff and heard all this testimony, and I immediately thought of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett because... It seems like the same thing. And it's interesting to because these are men that when you think about them, when you think about Will Smith and Johnny Depp, you think of just like these big powerhouse actors, entrepreneurs, businessmen, rich, successful, who have gotten rich and successful through using their voice, through communicating and through reaching some sort of visceral emotion in other people that makes them powerful and successful and to see them in their relationships be the exact opposite of that and have that sort of strip from them is so strange and I have to wonder like who are these women and what are they like not that I want to meet them because from what I'm hearing they sound horrible and everything that I've seen about Jada Pinkett Smith sounds horrible but who are these women that are able to just get in these men's lives and completely destroy them I don't know have you ever met a woman like this or like ever had an experience like that? I mean, I've I've witnessed people being manipulated before and I've seen manipulative men and women. Um but yeah, I, this whole thing just reeks of just dysfunctional humans and you know, it's like the old saying hurt people hurt people. Like there's clearly some some messed up trauma or just dysfunctional psychology that's going on on both sides yep, um but sides. especially on the side of the manipulator at least they should be more at fault in in, in these scenarios but um yeah it just it just goes to show you that that uh you know that the money and the fame doesn't uh, exempt you from uh the dysfunction and if you don't have good virtue good morals good character good values um and you're not care don't apply those in your relationship and in your and who you uh, end up with uh you can end up in a very bad situation it can happen to you no matter how much money you have right and a lot of this i feel like it's got to be somewhat attached to this feminization of men and this hyper masculine female era that we're going through right now that i'm just ready to end i i hope it ends very very soon because i have a feeling this is going to become a trend. We're going to start seeing this pattern of just, and we kind of already are, if any of you are in the dating scene right now, of just like hyper-masculine women just walking all over men. What was your what was your tweet that you did a while ago that like the feminist movement has turned men into subpar men and women into subpar men? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The modern day feminist movement has turned men into subpar men and women into subpar men. That is exactly what is happening. So we're all just these substandard, semi-masculine beings that are just walking around trying to build relationships with each other and it's not working and it's not working because it's really not natural you have to as a woman in many ways there are some naturally masculine women who just go about their day and that's how they are and i've met plenty of women who are like that uh and most of those women when they find men find men that are more masculine than them i think honestly i haven't thought about this enough but in i have a proclivity to believe that if you are a woman you should just gauge your masculine tendencies and then you need to look for a man that's more masculine than that but right now we're in a culture where women are 
building up this masculinity and all these masculine traits and trying to adopt them as hard as they can and hold on to them. And then they're finding men who are less masculine than they are. And, you know, the sort of whole simp culture thing and subjugating those guys and being like, oh, I love this. This is great. Even though deep down women want masculine men. I know some of you are going to say you don't or whatever, and there are women who don't, but they represent outliers to what is a general rule of women wanting masculine men. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> say it, Amla. <laughs> and you're right. It's part of this war in general on any kind of norm or any kind of ideal. Okay, an ideal man has masculine traits. You can't say that anymore. That can't. That's mm -hmm. like not an acceptable position to have. And so the ideal has to become. Okay, well now I want a male feminist as my husband. Right. That's the ideal man. I want an <laughs> e boy. I want a Timothy Chalamet. You know, not <sighs> a you know Braveheart Mel Gibson or something. Right. I mean, that's probably a bad example with yeah. some of the things that come up since. But you know. What I mean like this it's and then the women on the women's side too you're supposed to be this masculine woman who is only career it's like you don't want kids all this stuff and you can't just be like this nurturing feminine woman yeah. those aren't the ideals anymore and when you destroy that then it's like then they're like the the mainstream media and the mainstream narrative is normalizing these other ideals but they're contrary to human nature and it just creates this giant mess absolutely it, it really does I feel like we are just in a giant mess right now and by all means everybody live the way that you want but you can tell when we've deviated from what is natural and what is patterned and what is true because it's just so difficult it's so unsustainable which is why we see these like fluctuations and craziness and then it weans back and then it fluctuates again and then it weans back because we try every generation loves to look at the case the sense of the world and go this is not right this is not we need to go against this we, can, we don't need a natural order we need to go against it we need to go against it and it happens over and over and over only to just whip it right back every single time and then you have this new generation who constantly wants to rebel and has to learn again and again and again that this is it doesn't work you can't just rebel from everything that is true in reality uh and uh, this generation will be learning that hopefully very very soon if not we are in for a mess now if you guys are watching on PragerU right now, PragerU's YouTube or Facebook, we are going to cut off the show and go just to Unapologetic, Amla Epinobi. You can find that on YouTube. You can find that on Facebook. You can find that on Getter and Rumble. So just go to Unapologetic or type in my name, Amla Epinobi, and we're going to close. Uh, we're going to do the other half of the show there. We're going to be talking about Ezra Miller. We're going to be talking about Netflix, Elon Musk, and just all of the new propaganda that Netflix is putting out on their platform so bye to everybody on PragerU and let's continue the show on Omlepanobi. Here we go. So meanwhile with all this Johnny Depp stuff happening and his just vivid cancellation I mean everybody coming after him everything being pulled from him in his career virtually being ruined by the allegations that Amber Heard made now we have Ezra Miller and you guys might recognize Ezra Miller he plays the flash he was in the Stanford prison experiment he was in uh we need to talk about Kevin he was in a bunch of movies uh and a very a semi-famous actor. He's not anywhere near as famous as Johnny Depp, but certainly getting there. I want to see if I can find a picture of him for you, at least a normal, a normal picture of Ezra Miller so you guys can see him. He's a non-binary identifying actor. normal picture. <laughs> right, to find normal picture of Ezra Miller. I swear he used to be normal. I swear Ezra Miller at one point in his life. See, this is Ezra Miller like now. This used to be Ezra Miller. You know, he used to be a generally pretty seemingly even-tempered 
view of normalcy, but not so much <laughs> anymore. So the Flash star Ezra Miller has been arrested for allegedly throwing a chair at a woman's head. Now, this is not his first arrest. He's now in Hawaii. He's been arrested twice in Hawaii. And I believe from my reading, he was he said the cops called on him over 10 times, I think, in the past month while being there, just from alcoholism, assaulting people, causing just uproars everywhere that he goes, but has had no repercussions. He still maintains his spots in all of his movies. They're still marketing them. They're still putting them out while he's actively assaulting women. So in this particular case of his arrest in Hawaii, he allegedly threw a chair at a woman's head and opened a huge gash in her head. Now, you might hear that and go, oh, well, it's just alleged. We don't know that he did that. But let's look at this video of a fan coming up to Ezra Miller with this sort of fake fighting stance, a woman. And this is what Ezra Miller did to her. Learn it. Please no forget you want to fight? subscribe and share and make a like for the video. Whoa, bro, bro, bro. And follow us on the Facebook Yeah. That's Ezra Miller. She wasn't even like, she was like Millie rocking over to him. And he says, you want to fight, seemingly intoxicated, grabs her by the neck and drags her down to the floor. So this is what non-binary actor Ezra Miller is doing. And uh, is the media in an uproar about him? Are they trying to cancel him? Are they trying to pull all of his movies? Are they trying to pull all of his brand sponsorships? Doesn't look like it. And... I saw Crowder cover this this morning, and he sort of t had the take of, well, if you identify as something other than man, uh, other than a male, you can do whatever you want in this day and age, and nobody's going to do anything to you. It seems to be the case, because look at this man who's full of controversy for the past month, doing all this crazy stuff, been drinking, doing drugs, and nothing happens. Yet we get a false allegation against Johnny Depp, and the world is in an uproar. It's in an uproar. Because I think... When you identify with these marginalized groups, you get a little safety net put around you. It's like nothing can do you any harm. It's honestly, as much as they cry oppression about these labels and being parts of these groups, it's like a shield. It's like you can do whatever you want. And I, I just don't get how you can be a literal menace to society. <laughs> I bet Hawaii is like, can you please send him back somewhere else and get him out of here? And you still maintain this this protection and i'm going to speculate that it's because of the labels that he has uh, and i hope to see some action from the entertainment companies that he is in a relationship with that he's working in tandem with because it's not okay you are actually assaulting women it's actually on video it is not some allegation that's been put out that is easily debunked you guys just saw the video with your own eyes. So I would love to see something happen to Ezra, Ezra Miller that is some sort of repercussion for the things that he's doing other than being arrested because you shouldn't be able to just go and do movies and be this superstar as you are actively assaulting women. Now, let's move on. Now, you know how I feel about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard. If you have any questions, drop them down in the chat below. I will try to answer them. I hope I left no stone unturned as far as my opinion there. But let's talk about Netflix. Elon Musk took to Twitter uh, the other day and said the woke mind virus is making Netflix unwashable. This got 275,000 likes on the platform. And it was in response to this slash dot tweet that said Netflix shares crater 20% after company reports it's lost subscribers for the first time in more than 35 years. I believe that 20% has jumped to 35% now which how much does Elon Musk's tweet have something to do with this? Maybe a lot. It seems like Elon can just shift the world with the words that he puts on Twitter now. But 
The criticism there is true and based in truth. The woke mind virus is making Netflix unwatchable. I remember when Netflix put out that whole cuties movie, which was a French movie following some 11-year-olds who start this dance group where they're sexualized and twerking and half-naked, and the internet was in an uproar about it. And I don't know if the if Netflix just took that off in the U.S. or if there was other countries where it took the movie no, off No, I pulled as it well. up today. It's still there. It's, it's still, still there. there in the U.S. It's still there. Amazing. So a sexualized depiction of 11-year-old girls twerking without like barely any clothes on is still on Netflix's platform. I remember that being a huge issue. I remember when the Black Lives Matter stuff all happened with the George Floyd riots and all the turmoil around that. Netflix is one of the first corporations to hop up and start making black categories on their platform, saying, well, here are movies made by black creators or featuring black actors. Imagine if you did that for the white race. Imagine if you said, here are white creators, here are white actors in movies, and here's a category just for them. And now they're doing it for LGBTQ. They have like Asian American dramas. Let's just segregate everything, guys. Won't that just package it up so, so easily? Because I often log into my streaming services and go really be good to watch an Asian American film today or really be good to watch some black people act today. We wouldn't want those whites. So I'm so glad that platforms like Netflix really just segregate everybody based on their own marginalized superficial identity so that I can look and find what movie to watch. So thank you so much, Netflix. And now Netflix has this coming out tomorrow. He's expecting. <laughs> Uh, this is apparently a Japanese drama. There are some comedy elements to this as well. But if you look underneath, it says emotional, intimate, drama, social issues, which means there's going to be some commentary in this. It's about a man who gets pregnant. Apparently, this is in some sort of alternate reality where men can get pregnant. And it's social commentary on how difficult it is for women to be pregnant in a world that uh, emphasizes career and all of these things. And you know what? There might be a little bit that I agree with uh, this whole women having kids and working at the same time in this career stuff that I think is just a complete deviation from what is natural. But nonetheless, this is about a man getting pregnant and talking about how parenthood can look so different between men and women and, and whether or not this is something that can be completely normal. So I'm thinking when this comes out tomorrow, maybe I'll do an episode on I watched He's Expecting so that you don't have to. And I will give you my commentary on this on this. I think it's a series, which means I have to watch multiple episodes. That is of a major this. public service that you would be performing. That is torture. That's like worse than Chinese water torture to watch this <laughs> and then have to report on it for you. But if you guys want it, Spencer, if you're watching, if you could put out a poll right now, do you want me to do an episode where I watch this and I'll let you know what's in it and I'll give commentary on it and you guys can vote on that. If you want me to subject myself to torture for you, I will absolutely do that. So this is a series that's coming out tomorrow on Netflix. And we're just wondering, you know, why, why would they be losing? 200,000 subscribers, 200,000 subscribers they lost in the past couple of days. And again, a projection that they are going to lose 2 million more by June of this year. So Netflix is tanking. It is really tanking. And I want to show this funny thing that Taylor found on Twitter. This is somebody leaving their Netflix subscription. It says, we're always improving our services. Your feedback matters. Uh, why did you cancel your membership with us? Netflix is too expensive. Other... Harry and Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Harry and Megan. Yeah, no, there's there's so much 
wrong with Netflix and just the quality of content. And I feel like anytime I try to watch a new piece of Netflix produced content, there's always indoctrination in it in some way, shape, or form, whether it's just an offhand comment that's clearly uh, a bit of leftist ideology, or if they just bake it into the storyline to indoctrinate people. The last Netflix series I watched, I want to say, was You? Finishing up the final season of that, I also watched Bridgerton. Bridgerton was not that bad. There was... There's definitely a lot of feminist elements in Bridgerton, so you can feel that there, and all these expectations of uh, of us women and, and to find men and not have a career and not want to do anything other than that. Whatever. That's, that's there. It's baked into it. So, boom, there's another example. You had this sort of anti-hate-we-hate-anti-vaxxers plot line baked into it where they bludgeon an anti-vaxxer and then basically just write it off as, oh, well... He was trying to kill people anyway by not getting his kids vaccinated. Why would I watch Netflix content? Yeah, the the whole Hollywood industry right now is just in a very sad state in which uh, these companies like Netflix, like Disney, like Amazon, um, they just use the resources that they have and they use the attention that they already have and the cultural equity that they have to push their ideology. And they see their platform. They see that you, you as a, are a Netflix subscriber and hundreds of millions of people are, are tuning into their content. They see that as a means through which to push their ide- ideology and yep. they can't help themselves. They they have to use it. They have to put uh, they can only make content that checks all the diversity boxes mm-hmm. and it's this and it's not responsive to the market. It's not what people want to watch. It's what yeah. I want to teach you and how I want you to see the world and I'm going to infuse this into all of our content and that's what they're doing. Um, and that's why it's like sad when as me as Lord of the Rings fan, Amazon buys that up and what's the first thing that they come out with is this big showcase about how they're going to have all kinds of diversity and it's the first thing they say. Like I was maybe talking with uh, Scott today and I was like uh, the reality is diverse enough. By the way, I just cut to our uh, shot and we're everyone's oh, seeing this we're, we're gonna, body. So we're we're going to show that, that video, guys. I swear we're <laughs> not watching anything lewd and lascivious yeah wow Ooh, <laughs> speaking of crazy content people are gonna have to pull the plug on unapologetic but yeah it's just really tragic to to see that hollywood is, is seeing the their their influence as a vector for their ideology rather than just a a demand and a a duty to to make great films and great content that is just good because it's great uh, art Right, exactly. They don't care. They just want to indoctrinate you. <laughs> they they don't care if you leave the movie being moved or having learned some great lesson of moral value or of lifestyle or or whether or not you truly felt related to a character or felt that you learned something profound. They only care that you left the movie knowing what their political statements exactly. were. That's it. They do not care about anything else. And that's why everything is so garbage. I can't remember the last time I watched like a really good movie. No, I mean, I told you, I actually watched Nightmare Alley with my wife the other night. Mm. And I was I was impressed that I, there was no detectable wokeness or a small enough amount that it didn't bother me, which is, you know, what you have to say these days. But I, yeah. but I was actually, that was the last good movie I saw that, that uh, you know, didn't have wokeness. So I guess I'll have to watch it. Yeah, okay. I actually take some of it back because I watched, uh, what is it, Being the Ricardos? I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. And they actually had a scene where they talk about how bad communism is. And I was like, wow, this is actually shocking Based. that they were willing to put this in a movie and talk about how bad communism is in a movie. So, so you're right. It's the exception and not the norm, though, it's to have non-woke 
It's Anything. like, oh, wow, I watched this video and I was I did not find one single ounce of ideology in it. How great is that? I, I, yeah, I saw a movie and it wasn't trying to indoctrinate me with gender ideology. <laughs> Big win, guys. <laughs> I got to go tell the whole world about it. Uh, speaking of that, this is a new trailer. This is why you're seeing a man's abs on my computer screen. <laughs> there was no a comment, is that Taylor's abs? And then the next comment was, is that hot Scott? <laughs> The people want to know. Uh, one day we'll be we'll do a Prager You shows all and Taylor oh, no. and Scott. Oh, no. We'll confirm no. whether or not this is their ads. Like we, you get the devil costume comments, so right. I guess we can put up with these. I, I get my fair share of hypersexualized comments, so you you and Scott can deal with a couple. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, somebody called Taylor Somebody's a hottie yesterday and like made a whole Instagram post about it. Uh. <laughs> And Amelie, you just don't understand what it's like to be objectified in this way. I was going to say, a victim you're, here. you're literally just a piece of meat, Taylor. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what else to tell you. Gosh. But guys, get it together, girls, in the comments. My gosh, you guys are pigs. Uh, <laughs> here is this new Netflix series that's going to come out. It's called White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie. Let's see if there's any leftist ideology in this. You know that you're getting close. When you're hit with the smell of Abercrombie. The nightclub beats and bare-chested guys. Actually, let's pause. Let's see how long it takes for there to be leftist ideology in this trailer. We're seven seconds in. Guys, it was such a pop culture phenomenon. It was an all-American look. And I considered myself an all-American girl. <laughs> oh, make me over. Abercrombie and Fitch said, we go after the cool kids. If they didn't look a certain way, they didn't belong in our clothing. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. As a manager, you have to recruit good-looking people. And this is what good-looking is. Young, thin, and white. Ah, 44 seconds. Young, thin, and white. Now, I was old enough to have shopped at Abercrombie and Fitch and seen these stores and lived through the era where Abercrombie and Fitch was. You walk up to the store and there's the shirtless guy standing outside the, the door. I don't remember whether or not all of those guys were white, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say they weren't. They were not all white standing out the door. Do you know, Taylor, have you ever seen a person of color a shirtless Abercrombie and Fitch? <laughs> Well, I happen to be an expert on this. I'm, yes. a, I'm a avid. Every time I go to a mall, I have to run by Abercrombie to see what the race is of the shirtless models <laughs> yes. on, plastered yes. on the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh -huh. uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I can say I do remember like distinctly they have had black models on the right. uh, on their walls and and other races, by the way. But it, it, it's dumb that we even have to talk about this. It the, is dumb. That's this whole. They're making a whole documentary about this. And also, what's wrong with models being hot? Because this is another problem that they tend to have with this brand. It's like all they want is attractive people representing their brand. When have we ever lived in an era where models were not hot? Only now. Yeah. <laughs> Literally 2022. Now. Yeah. Literally 2022. Now my, models are no longer hot. I keep telling you, like, my wife has been getting these. Uh, like, she's been a Victoria's Secret shopper for some time, whatever. She gets the uh, mailers. And uh -huh. she's she's like... It's they've got all these like, you know, just for representation, it's people of all body types and all this stuff. And it just you know, there's nothing wrong with that per se. But yeah. the reason why she bought into that brand is, hey, I want 
to underwear that makes me feel sexy. That's the whole point of the brand or what it used to be. Not remind me of how fat I am. Those, those were her words. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that in brands and what they represent as we go through the, the rest of this trailer. So let's watch a little bit more and then we'll talk about that. Abercrombie rooted themselves in discrimination at every single level. There's a reason people liked that brand. Exclusion is part of our society. They were also firing people on the basis of their looks. Abercrombie said it wasn't that we were being racially discriminated against. It was that we weren't good looking enough. Okay, let's uh, let's get into the word exclusionary. There was one accurate thing said there, and that man said that our society is exclusionary. Just like a plus-size clothing brand would not hire, I don't know, Heidi Klum to represent their brand, that's exclusionary. I, I don't know how else to put it. Brands are made for specific reasons and a specific demographic and are by virtue of doing that inherently exclusive so they're going to meld their brand to the people they want shopping there or at least to this vision of what the people who shop there want and for abercrombie and fitch that was i want to be hot <laughs> that's what it was and i see hot people who wear Abercrombie and Fitch, I go to the store and outside the door is two hot guys with no shirts on asking me if I want a cologne sample. That is what I want to be. Just like women who want to be Victoria's Secret models or aspire to look in some way, shape or form like them, shop at Victoria's Secret. It's the embodiment of, hey, what can be seen as objective beauty, which people are going to say do not does not exist in some way, shape, or form, but it, it really does, even scientifically, just symmetry and what we find pleasing to the eye exists and is true and is a pattern that can be recognized in all humans. So these things exist. Images of health exist, which is why Abercrombie and Fitch has these cut guys and why uh, Victoria's Secret has these thin and soft women who are representing their brand. These things do exist, and we can choose to just go, ah, no, it doesn't make me feel good. So it doesn't exist because I don't feel good about it. But it does. And as much as we just don't want it to be true because I don't look like that or or because it can't it can't be that way, it is still there and we can shield ourselves and not acknowledge that and that's totally fine but don't tell other people that they have to live in the reality that you've created uh and as far as firing people because they don't meet the image that you want or whatever i honestly am like that's your that's your choice as a brand and a lot of people will say well no that's that's uh, exclusionary that's bigoted that's whatever your choice they literally made so much money. Exclusion was the root of their success. They had a no headscarf policy. Abercrombie went all the way to the Supreme Court. All American doesn't mean all white. Abercrombie knew that they had a lot to hide. We have some really troubling behavior. The story was an indictment of where our culture was. They didn't invent evil. They didn't invent class. They just packaged it. <laughs> this is like the most, I feel like people in other countries must just like watch American content and laugh at us. Imagine just 
as just as an American society, how privileged do you have to be to have your documentary be about how a clothing brand is exclusionary to hiring specific models or specific workers? Imagine that being the great complaint of your generation that Abercrombie and Fitch had a specific model-esque view of who they wanted to work at their businesses and in their in their franchise. Imagine that being the great fight of your generation. Like, give me a break. Yeah, and this is the stuff that uh, that Netflix's studio executives are green lighting and saying, yes, we want to make this type of content because there's just this this market for uh, you know grievances to finding something mm-hmm. wrong with America, with patriarchy, with traditional values, yeah. with free market economy, with human nature, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we find something wrong with with all these things, and then we uh, point out how it's inherently oppressive and how there's all these bad dynamics, just like taking a Marxist view and looking at the world through those lens and oppressor and and oppressed and then it's saying i'm siding with the oppressed aren't i virtuous look at me look at how virtuous we are and that's that's basically the ethos that i think is underlying this whole Mm -hmm. uh this whole push to to put out this content i mean this is a netflix original program that they've decided to fund and uh they're they're putting it out there just to virtue signal essentially yeah it's just such a reach and like you said we saw this happen with victoria's secret victoria's secret had this uproar from a fringe small activist group of leftists who said f you we don't want to see these beautiful stunning victoria's secret angels anymore we don't want the heidi klums anymore we don't want the carly colossus anymore we want people who look like normal americans and normal women as if you know carly colossus and heidi klums aren't women they are uh but no we want this real depiction of what women can be and we want plus size and then they went okay we'll listen to you fringe people and they put what megan rapinoe and priyanka chopra which priyanka chopra is beautiful i won't uh, she could model for victoria's secret any day she wanted to but like priyanka chopra i'm sure they threw lizzo in there somewhere and then they go here you guys go are you happy are you happy and guess what people stop buying victoria's secret <laughs> because they're like that's not i don't want to i don't want to look like megan rapinoe that's not why i buy victoria's secret yeah, and uh, it's like, and like, I'm sure you'd be the first to say, is there a conversation to be had about beauty standards and mm-hmm. you know the hype, like this hyper perfection, young girls comparing themselves to these supermodels? Yes. Of course, there's a conversation to be had about all that, but you know, when we're when these brands are becoming beholden to this small fringe group of activists, changing everything that they uh, that that they were built on and try to suppress and change human nature and try to act like it doesn't exist and Mm -hmm. and manufacture this faux reality. It's that's problematic and it ends up causing more problems. You could just address these issues in context and talk and shed light on those issues and host honest Mm -hmm. conversations about them. But instead you try to like distort reality and and pretend like uh, attractiveness is not a thing. And and sorry, but it is and it always will be. It very much is a thing. There very much is a large industry for it, and it very much sells. So to deviate from that is just you're you're hurting your own brand, which is what they'll do time and time again. But yes, you can have these beautiful Victoria's Secret models and these beautiful Abercrombie and Fitch models and go, guess what, guys? There are people who don't look like this as well. That also exists, and that's totally fine. And just you, not everybody has to be a model. And it is part of this participa- participation trophy culture that mm. we're building right now. Like, I am perfectly fine and perfectly acknowledging that guess what? I did not grow up to be a model. I did not grow up to look like a Victoria's Secret angel. And that's totally fine. Guess what? Because not everybody gets to do those things. That's the point of life. Is it really an achievement to do something if everybody and their mother just gets to do it because we feel bad for them? 
No, it's not. And that's just something that we live and accept. Not every person can be a rocket scientist, but we still have those people exist. Do we see this big uproar of we need more diverse rocket? Actually, we do see this. <laughs> yes, we literally we do. We do yeah. see this little <laughs> uproar. So it's now infiltrated every single facet of everything. Guys, guess what? You don't get to be everything that you ever wanted to be. And it doesn't get to look like this huge, diverse, rainbow colored picture depiction of human beings, even though we're all going to look the same color in like 100 years anyway. So what are you even fighting for right now? now but it's just come on you you get cards dealt to you and those cards are genetics and some people win the lottery and other people don't and that's fine because there's so much more to life than that so let's just accept that and move on anyways instead we make documentaries about it and then we talk about whiteness on netflix and that's why they're losing subscribers like nobody's business and we could be seeing the death of netflix as a corporation or they could be smart and start adapting the content that they put on their platform and on their service to actual consumers. Will they do that? Who knows? Uh, we're, we're, I think, coming to the head on all of these different corporations, big tech companies, legacy media being brought to task about what they put out. Look at CNN Plus completely tanking. Look at Twitter and the hot mess that they're in right now if they don't accept this this offer from Elon Musk. We are seeing the pendulum just really stuck in midair and deciding whether or not it's going to swing back in our direction because now people are are their their mm. feet are to the fire and they have to they're at a decision point where they have to decide am I going to honor the people who use my services in the actual demographics of this country or am I going to honor this small fringe who gets who gives me nothing back except this perceived power that they will strip from you the moment they have the ability to that's where we're at. That's yeah, and I mean, same exact thing applies to Disney. I was just thinking while you said that, and uh, the Harry's Razors scenario. Right, right, exactly. So now I think we we were at a point where people just tolerated this wokeness and saw it and, and went, oh, that, that's annoying or that pisses me off, but I'm still going to watch it or I'm still going to buy my Harry's subscription or I'm still going to use Twitter. And now we're seeing people go, wait a second. Ooh, this has real tangible effects on my life and the future of it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm going to find people who are doing the exact opposite and support them. So that's also something we should be careful of. How far does the pendulum swing back? Because people are frustrated and they're over it. And, and that can lead people to extremes in the negative sense. So we're going to see what happens. We'll be here to talk about it. And I think that concludes our show for today. Are you guys going to continue to support Netflix? Do you Are you keeping your subscription? Is there a show that you want to watch and then finish it up before canceling? Because I saw a lot of people comment, well, I'll cancel Netflix, but after I finish Bridgerton season two. <laughs> so let me know in the comments down below if there's something I didn't touch on in the Amber Heard case or in my a talk and analysis of Netflix and their propaganda or Ezra Miller that you feel like I should have talked about, leave that in the comments down below. If you have some sort of nuanced opinion or pushback on anything that I said, leave that in the comments down below. We will be back tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, with an episode with Colin Wright going over gender theory. I'm playing devil's advocate yet again, putting on my leftist hat and asking him questions from that perspective. And... I'll let you in on a secret. He crushes me. So, <laughs> guys, be here tomorrow to see that. And we're now streaming on Getter. So if you don't want to support YouTube and you don't want to support Facebook and you'd rather stream somewhere else, somewhere that supports your free speech, we are on Getter. Follow me at Amla Benobi on there. And the stream is there as well. So hi to everybody on Getter. And now...
bye to everybody on all platforms. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you tomorrow.